You're listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide, the uplifting tongue-in-cheek podcast where we chat to British comedy's funniest females in an attempt to cheer up and entertain the nation in these uncertain times. And here's your host, Alexis Strum. Hello, everyone. I hope you've had a great week. I hope you're enjoying playing the really fun new game of COVID Whack-A-Mole. It's uh, unavailable in all good toy shops. This week, I've had the immense and intense pleasure of having Emma Seedy and Charlie George join me as my guests in the studio. And um, it was fab because Mariana Fejo from uh, Funny Women also joined us. And the three of them have all got such enormous energy. So if you're listening to this and you've just got out of bed, consider this your wake-up call. We chat terrible dancing, Charlie Brooker, La Princesa de Woking, weird pre-show rituals at pret and alternative careers. For example, did you know that in another universe, Emma is a languages teacher, Charlie is a rock drummer, Mariana is a biochemist, and as for me, I'm just a really, really shit hairdresser. And stay tuned to the end for some excellent, if not a little bit rubbish, survival tips. So welcome to the show, Mariana Fajer, Charlie George. I'm down with your name. That is so easy to pronounce. Thank you. And Emma Stiddy. Well done. (laughs) It's not easy. (laughs) This is like remedial pronunciation class. This is why my parents named me like an old white man, just so that it would be really easy. (laughs) Everyone would understand. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, thank you for joining us in lockdown. I mean, yeah. not a lot of shit's going on, so we thought we'd just get you on for a chat, really. Mm, for sure. Yeah, no, it's nice. Thank you. Pretty dry. Have we been busy? Have we been busy in lockdown, girls? I don't know how people are bragging about having time to make banana bread, because I feel like I've been working more, but like just in a confined space. I'm starting to feel like... Um, I wish I had, well, no, I don't wish I had a boss like the guy from Tiger King, but I do, (laughs) I do feel like I am owned by him and that I'm just like pacing up and down in a very small, like I basically got a circuit that I do daily and like the highlights involve the queue for the supermarket and then like sometimes I'll do a little lap. I call it the circuit of lunch. (laughs) Oh, Um, I love that. It's yeah, where you just great. go around the, the local park on your lunch break so that you feel like you've had a break and then you come back and you do more emails and you do more admin. But I feel like I'm just online all the time. Do you feel that, Emma? Are you busy? Yeah, no. I um, Am I busy? I would say I'm not busy and I ha- I'm trying to make myself busy as well as, uh, you know, the screen time thing, showing you how much screen time you're on. God, it is so unhelpful right now. Like mine's through the roof. It's insane. But what right, come and then come out do? there. Tell us how many hours then? How many hours you put in? I think mine's on three hours forty-five on my phone. Wow. That's bad. I'm on six. Yeah, six. I'm on six. <laughs> nothing. Oh fuck, that's fine. Then. Yeah, that's nothing. Three hours. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> oh right. Well, hang on, Charlie, what are you on? I don't have one of those. I've got this amazing thing, though, I have to tell you. It, it's changed my life because I spend, like, all my waking hours online. Like, literally, like, because I get all my entertainment from it. I do my meditations from, like, an online thing. So everything right. is online. You know, wanking, crying, the whole shebang. But there's this, there's this <laughs> app wanking, crying, thinking. Flux. Wanking, right? Thank you. Um, and and maybe I'm busy because I'm writing basically. So I'm I uh, that's been my main work during this time, and yeah, I feel really lucky yeah, that I can work too, from really. home. It's yeah. writing, but there's this app that you must get, like called Flux, and what it does is it makes the computer like um, follow the circadian rhythm of like the day. So it takes all the blue light out, and it starts <sighs> looking like sunset on your screen Ooh. around nine p.m. So I remember, I'm like, okay, I'm essentially watching this episode by candlelight so at some point I've got to go to bed <laughs> like it's oh my god that's good amazing great yeah that is great because I feel like this past few days because the days are longer I have been forgetting to eat at a normal dinner time and then I'm like oh it's 10 p.m and I haven't had dinner yet that's you know they have for cats they have the little cat food tray with a timer on it maybe you could invest <laughs> in one of those I've heard they're brilliant I mean you don't have to have a cat or anything yeah. And how many hours have you been putting in, Mariana? How many? Uh, what's your screen time? Oh, Shop my up? screen time is usually very 
like high even outside of lockdown so I, I i don't even know but i guess like 10 hours and then it tells me you've been online half an hour l- less than last week thank you it's still 10 hours <laughs> do you celebrate that do you celebrate it if you haven't been online as much is that a good thing no, i just think that i have put less hours of work because since i work in social media that's like my screen and time so, so you've got so, yeah. all the excuses anyway just stay on yes. it <laughs> <laughs> so you're both um you're both writers and actors comedians and lots of other slashes but I did see something that you have in common I didn't know actually do you know each other Charlie I and Emma? don't think we've met no oh. I have not had the pleasure and yeah. even now I'm staring into the void because oh, no. you keep showing up maps instead of your face <laughs> my camera won't work should we describe her should we describe, describe you yourself like? Emma please describe you in oh course. yeah all right well I'm a gorgeous five foot three um I have r- raven dark hair which is very long at the moment but my skin is very pale but on the skin are freckles so that's that's my vibe. <laughs> and I'm a six foot white man from the north of it. <laughs> I can see you, but I still oh, like that description. It's it's hot. <laughs> my fat. Well, anyway, girls, the thing I found that you have in common, and I might be wrong, and your biogs might be absolute lies, but it is <laughs> probably it yeah. is la danse, apparently. Because I've watched Emma, I've seen some of Emma's comedy videos. So I obviously have to do my stalking, I mean, research. Right, yeah. And, I, and Emma, you've done some great stuff. The um, the Dave Talks was my favourite one, Dance Your Destiny. I oh, love yeah, that. That was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you've done some other things, contemporary dance, uh, really brilliant stuff. And and then I was reading up about you, Charlie, and I saw you've got a background in dance as well. And I thought, well, one must embrace the dance. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a circus performer and I did do dance for a bit. But to be honest, Emma, you probably w- were quite good. Like, I was terrible. Yeah, so I was less less of a dancer and more of a circus performer and gymnast is what I started in. But I was not a graceful mover. And I don't know about you, Emma, but my dance teacher actually once was very surprised that I ended up running a dance company. In fact, everybody was because she used to call me an awkward mover. So um, I, do, I'm, I actually sort of feel like I should send a letter of apology to anyone who ever saw me in my dance no, career. That's so cool. So hang on, you you weren't good at dance, or you were good at dance, and then you then you made a production company. Uh, no, sorry, I, I'm. What am I talking about? I just want to know what you're talking about. I love this. So what do you mean? <laughs> Well, well, I used to run a company called Dark Island Dance because you shouldn't oh, name you should oh. name your first company after your first bout of depression. And, um, <laughs> and uh, we used to like festivals and events, basically like performing choreographed things. But it was very punk and anarchic. I used to be really into right. um, a choreographer called Lee Anderson. You you've studied dance, um, so it was all kind of like contemporary stuff. Right, right, okay. No, I have heard of Lee Anderson, but I, so I'm also, I think we've got even more in common then, because I'm also not good at dancing. <laughs> yay. I'm, yay, dancers who can't dance. So I'm also untrained, or like I did ballet as a teenager and was always not good. Um, but I just sort of love it. And so started going to really regular contemporary interpretive dance improvisation classes. So that's real peep show rainbow rhythm stuff. It was in Elephant Castle, would just go once a week and writhe around. So I did that for like years in my 20s and just, well, I'm still in my 20s, but my early 20s and I just loved it. So that's kind of as far as my background goes. Amazing. <laughs> I love Terrible it. dancers, love it. Terrible dancers doing comedy and still dancing. Um, but I think there must be a link there, right? Because, I mean, terrible dancing could be quite painful, couldn't it? If you were to really, yeah. say, oh my God, I'm so crap at this. But what you've done is you flipped it and you've actually done something really amusing with it. Um, Charlie, have you ever explored doing anything with dance in your live comedy at all or taking the piss out of it? I used to start like, I mean, I don't do it anymore and I haven't done it for a while. I'm sort of like, I feel like I'm on a journey of exploring what my voice is. That's what everybody says. What's your voice in the stand up? Um, And uh, but I started by coming on stage, uh, rolling around uh, in a floral dress to Pocahontas Colours of the Wind with a strap on on. And I used to. (laughs) 
<laughs> I used to like smear makeup across my face and jump about to x-ray specs and then do my set whilst really out of breath at the end. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I have used it a little bit. I do think that dance and movement is really mm. – I'd love to see more of your work, Emma, because it sounds great, but like, I think it's really ripe for – humor and like it's just a great way to be really silly and be really funny well I just loved it I love people expressing themselves like it's my favorite thing ever you know just seeing people do what moves them and that is at its funniest in dancing as in this sounds like I'm laughing at contemporary dancers and I don't mean that I just mean that it's really funny that we were always doing these exercises where you run around um, bounce over people, jump on people, blah, blah, blah. And then you suddenly stop still somewhere and you just say the word that comes to mind. And my God, that you would have people just being like old trousers and they've just been <laughs> like almost fucking someone. So just stuff like that it really, um, really got me. So yeah, I think there is. It's, it's interesting, nice. isn't it? At the moment, I find I've been watching a lot of um, online stand up and the bit that I really find irritating is that everyone's sat down and I'm not mm. seeing much movement I think that's the thing um that I'm missing as a punter watching it. it do you girls feel like you're missing is that part of the thing that we're missing with live comedy is the movement aspect is someone just commanding a stage being on a mic I know Emma you're very physical like I've seen you I saw you live at, um, at an FGM uh yeah. charity gig a few years ago and right, yeah. you're very expressive physically even when you weren't doing dance stuff Mm. But um, are you missing that aspect of life? Yeah, I think so. To the extent I don't see myself as able to do um, online live comedy. So any gigs that I've been offered, I've actually turned down because I just... I, I, I'm not that kind of comedian. Like I'm a bit of a cheap comedian. <laughs> I think mine always relies too heavily on movement. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's, I, I do think it's difficult. And I think a lot of sort of alternative character com- comedy, like if you think of, um, have you seen Phil Dunning? Have you heard of that comedian? He is just so insanely funny and it's basically a kind of creative drag and I do think that sort of stuff is it's quite difficult to convey on on a zoom gig and I think it's so brilliant that these zoom gigs exist and I've seen some and they're just brilliant but I think there's some of us that it's uh, it's definitely not for me sadly so you just have to be like all right and wait for the live but I don't know about you Charlie how do you feel about it oh with great difficulty I mean I'm Mm. trying to do online gigs but usually what happens so far is I end up swearing at Virgin Media and then like in the middle (laughs) of my punchline my face is like warped (laughs) and like that ends up becoming what's funny a new punchline I'm in a shit flat and everything is disintegrating and I'm like but that wasn't the joke (laughs) (laughs) no it's really difficult and I think also I personally go totally off audiences energy and also I have a lot of improv as part of my stuff and that kind of is something I developed over the last few years just realizing that kind of moments of improv um in my characters are kind of, it always happens and so I don't know how you do that live or yes can- and I think you're right there's something about the subtlety of a that's lost on screen so like just mm-hmm. the look when you're in a room just a raised eyebrow or a yeah. look to someone in the audience can get a laugh but when you're totally. on screen and everybody's sort of half checking the phone half yeah. doing something else because you're not they're not physically there I don't yeah. think that they feel I think I sometimes feel really sorry for the audience because I think how on earth are they engaged with this? Because when I'm watching a film, I'm often reading a bit of a book and Mm. checking WhatsApp. Like it's very different when you're in the privacy of your own home, like when you're in a space where people can see you with your pint. So like if you're not watching, it's really visible. Like Absolutely. That's so true, actually, like the the raised eyebrow or something. If you're on stage and your set's going well, you could stay with a raised eyebrow for about a minute, (laughs) you know, like milk or, you know, put it, get it, get the laugh going in some angle. But yeah, online, that's kind of, it's more like, um, just get on with it and do something. I feel as well that you kind of have to re- reappraise what your material is and you have to dumb it down a little bit it's almost like you're doing it for a group of kids as you say like it's not a gesture or subtlety is not going to kind of translate so I think people are really changing their set um in terms of 
I was sorry. What were you going to say, Charlie? Well, I was just going to ask if you guys have experience of doing online gigs, either you or Mariana. Like, if you had other experiences. I was going to say that I like as soon as lockdown hit, I produced a show for those listening that don't know and as soon as lockdown hit i thought i'm going to keep producing it because we need to offer opportunities for people to like have a an outlet and we've done a couple of shows and i really didn't enjoy it Uh, the like not having an audience there is so hard like Mm. what am i doing is anyone there and there were people seeing because you can see the numbers but are people really even engaging so it was really hard and we haven't done uh more I do think this is going to keep on going for a while. So I am uh, looking into getting back at doing online gigs. Mm. Um, I found the sketch stuff is is easier. Um, Certainly you've got more control and I'm quite happy to just put a sketch out and then just see what happens to it. Um, But I haven't, I haven't done any like live gigs, but what I would say works really well is when you have the, you have like a select group of the audience on screen. I've seen it done with like the infinite sofa and whatever. And, couple of other shows when you can actually interact with the audience in the way that you would normally in a live gig that works well when as you say when you can't see any of the audience you're literally doing a gig to yourself mm. um so I think there are ways I think the the more this goes on unfortunately the more we're learning and there are ways around it but yeah nothing kind of nothing compares I mean what are you missing most though would you say about about gigging and the whole experience of gigging not just doing the live shows but that lifestyle well, I realised something about my own life that <laughs> this sounds so um, uh, naff, but basically all my sliding doors moments in my life, like all the sort of most imp- most important people I've met have been at gigs, whether that's mm. like my boyfriend, uh, several best friends, various people who I've gone on to work with. Um, there's just a ridiculous amount of people who actually our first meetings are first either seeing how each other work or just being at these like amazing spaces where live comedy is happening those are the those are those moments that all happen in these places and so I just feel it in a more sort of social way and also just very sorry for younger people of like not having those that place available at the moment that that sounds a bit over the top but I just kind of can't believe not at all of no no how much live comedy and gigs has affected every aspect of my life yeah so that's sort of what I'm missing weirdly because I'm not really um I'm not um chiefly a live performer it's kind of it's almost my thing on, I do on the side as well as the way I got into the industry so I'm I'm kind of lucky in that it's not massively affecting my um my work life if I'm honest but I feel it's affecting other things or it just really makes me consider how much it's affected my life for the better yeah I think all the youngsters are on TikTok at the moment yes obsessively (laughs) I wish I had as a beautiful response as you Emma but like really all I miss (laughs) is like having a meltdown in Pret-a-Manger I really miss losing my shit trying to get my second coffee of the day before my gig Mm. I really miss that because I would have a chat with someone who works there and I'd tell them mistakenly what I'm doing and then they'd be like but women aren't funny and then I'd have to explain <laughs> that whole mind bomb oh, and then I'd no. be like Should I get one of these stupidly overpriced coconut things I miss that breakdown and I also right. really miss um people <laughs> telling me that I'm not as crap as they thought like stuff like that the conversations that you have afterwards are really um special and nice and like people that I never thought would get me or find the things that I do funny like some of the demographics that I'd see at gig, like there's never people I would normally encounter, and I just loved that. I loved that I would like, you know, have a breakdown on the train to Clapham Junction and do a gig. It's like, no, I would never do that if there wasn't a gig. Do you know what I mean? The gig is yeah. the reason that I do all the crazy stuff that I really enjoy. Like, well, exactly. I think you're bang on about that. They are the weirdest things. They're the weirdest things, and you put yourself through so much. And yeah, you do, there are all these weird. And like magical side effects of that, I think. Do you have, Emma, do you have like weird pre-show rituals? So like I used to do um, this thing called Hero of the Gig, which is basically I'd be really nervous and I'd be pacing it up and down outside the venue trying to practice my set. And I'd be so paranoid that I was going to forget it. Like I'm a very wordy person, right? And I write a lot of stuff. So I would go up to someone and I would be like, 
can I just tell you my set and like find out who <laughs> think it's funny? And they'd just be like some random guy at the tube or like you know, right. in the corner shop. And then if they would laugh, I'd be like, okay, well, I've had a dry run before I get on stage. Wow. wow that's amazing but what would you do if they didn't because you know they're not it's not even <laughs> to them like maybe they don't get it what would they what would you do if they react badly because it still might be a sick set well I just like asked them questions North. so I remember doing it once to this girl in Pret-a-Manger and I was like well what like I said like what did you like about that and she was just like well I think this has comes across a bit like that or I didn't understand that like, you needed to tell me oh, this first interesting so like we end up having nice chats with strangers it's good God, that's so cool. No, I don't know anything as cool as that. <laughs> no, mine's, mine's as bad as possible. I just have a chant that I say before going on stage. Isn't that insane to myself? Can you tell us the chant? Or is it too it's not, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's too mad, as well as I think part of my superstition is that only... Oh, yeah, if you tell us, it might not work again. Exactly, but it's yeah, like anti, anti-curse. And I will say something, mm. actually. It is religious, even though I'm not religious. <laughs> Ooh, That's is it for the 12-step program? No, it's not. That would be cool. Um, that would. No, it's just... It's um, it, yeah, it's just basically a sort of almost a prayer, but I would call it a chant, that I just need before going on stage and <laughs> and yeah if I skip sometimes you know because sometimes the MC is going on and on and on you don't quite know when you're actually going to get called on so there have been moments when I've um you know fucked it I haven't said it in time and I'm, I do go on stage like oh shit my chant <laughs> what are you doing to replace the adrenaline rush because as you're talking to me, I can really picture you like doing your prayer and waiting for this MC to wrap it up. That feeling, you know, when you're about to go on stage that wow. never goes away, doesn't matter how many times you've done it. Yeah, how are you coping without that feeling in lockdown or what are you doing to replace it? God, what's your answer to that, Charlie? I'm trying to think. Go on Twitter. <laughs> go on Twitter, have a little think about the end of the world. Look at uh, anything to do with politics it fills me with the same feeling. Of, like, um, it's, it's wrong that you yeah, it's not dread that I feel when I'm about to go on stage, though. It's that kind of nice excitement. I think that's a hard one yeah. to get. Like, I think that's, that's tricky. I do get I the same level of like adrenaline from like the heightened state of what's going on politically. Like that tends to bring me out in a sweat. But I was going to say that that's that adrenaline of like just about to go on stage and after the gig, after you've been on oh. stage, is like probably the thing I've missed the most about uh, performing right now. Yeah, uh, and even the getting home and not being able to sleep, which I hate, is probably mm. something I've been missing as well. Yeah. I guess I just go for a long run and I hate myself afterwards because I'm dying. <laughs> what yeah, about I online mean, dating? That would be nerve-wracking. Is I was just that? thinking that when you were saying about that. Well, I've, I did a video a video date actually Ooh. a couple of weeks ago. Ooh. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, it's no different to actually seeing their picture. It's just a moving, it's just a moving picture. Right. I wanted to see inside his house and see the rooms and see what kind of bathroom we're working with. But see how it was he just, walks, stuff mm, like that. Yeah, exactly. He's swag. Yeah. <laughs> we're in lockdown it's very strange times could you do a walk yeah <laughs> well and you charlie have you been dating at all um or are you in a relationship like, without prying too much yeah i'm i'm in, I'm in something i'm i'm happily involved we basically we've been joking because it's like we meet up in the park and we walk around two meters from each other like a divorced oh. couple on holiday like <laughs> yeah, they haven't finalized the divorce they're just keeping to their side like they're still like I'm longing for the good old days when they used to hold hands yeah Oh, that's brilliant. And Emma, you're with, are you actually isolating with your boyfriend? Have you yes, yeah, I already live with him. So, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been, not, I mean, extraordinary ups and downs, but I think that's mm. probably good, right? I think anyone who's... It's a good test. Yeah, I think anyone who's having too much of either has some work to do so if you've been having a horrific time the whole of lockdown you know maybe you shouldn't be mm. together if you've been having the best most amazing incredible time <laughs> I also think you shouldn't be together 
and someone's repressing something. So yeah, maybe you're secretly related. You're actually brother exactly. and sister. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> no, like are the only kind of couples who've had a perfect time. So um, yeah, so no, it's 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 been really nice. I think it's just difficult because he also works in comedy. You know, we basically have the exact same job. We were even booked in a say uh, the same filming block that has been moved. So I think that's maybe oh, wow. been a kind of um, both solidarity as well as we both are having to make all this stuff to do you know trying to generate because our, our our filming has been moved to October and that is like still far away still now it's far away so um, is this the HBO series that you were due to yeah go? yeah exactly so um so you know very Ooh, exciting do you tell us a bit about it tell us a yeah, little well, yeah, put in a plug come on girl <laughs> So it's Rose Matafeo's sitcom um, called uh, Starstruck. And it was due to start filming, I think it was the 17th of March. So that is like peak, you know, COVID freak out. And um, all, it was going ahead, going ahead. Then about an hour before the read through, it wasn't going ahead. And then it got pulled and moved to October. Mm. So I think they did a brilliant thing of just pulling it and moving it you know they there was no like let's see how we go these next few weeks it was just pulled in March moved to October um and hopefully that can still happen then um but yeah so so that's it really so it's very exciting but it's it's been very exciting for a long time (laughs) we've just got to see if it actually happens um but yeah, it's nice that I've read all the. It's good script. to have something in the diary, though, surely, because um, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm very lucky to have that. Sure. So you're both writers, and that's been keeping you going mm. throughout the pandemic. Which you know, you're not limited to just being an actor, and you're waiting on someone casting you. So that's a good yeah. thing. I think the fact that you've got your writing careers is great. Now, I saw Charlie at a comedy fifty fifty event. That was how I first. Um, discovered that I didn't discover you 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 (laughs) did your own discovery but that's when I first came into contact with your brilliance and um and I love when you yeah, discovered I felt like a country and you're Christopher Columbus. I know you are <laughs> and you discovered me I discovered it great. Me, <laughs> um and it was great because you were really honest and everyone in the panel was talking about you know the difficulties women face um etc and you were talking about being in a writer's room and the um the difficulties you've had to overcome in your career um I'm guessing that it's we've got a new set of difficulties now um, but how's that? How's that particular project going? Are you still working with Charlie Booker? Is that something ongoing? How's that getting on? Um, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I had two opportunities with that. So we did the. I think in. I think it was like November or December last year. Um, the pre-COVID days, of, in terms of our <laughs> awareness of it, anyway, to this scale, um, we, I, I had the opportunity to write on um, Kunk and Other Humans. I think was the final name oh, of it, and it's cool. Philomena Kunk and Barry Shippies and some other ca- new characters were doing like a review of the year um, and kind of summarizing some shows. So I, I wrote on that, and then off the back of that, got the opportunity to write again when Charlie was thinking about doing um, the antiviral wipe, which was really cool. But we did all of that remotely during this time. And that was just like, I was really lucky. That was a piece of work that came through. And I mean, I say lucky, when you work on topical stuff, a big part of what you do is you go through a massive research pack and you have to look at a lot of horrible news. (laughs) And then go, what's the angle on this? Like, how can we make this fun and light for people? And I think what was great is the production team and everybody in that writer's room was so brilliant that like it was really fun but also by the time it was released and produced and they made it in um in Charlie's home and and it was all very DIY and I thought it was brilliant how he got his partner and kids involved in the whole process because it was all from lockdown Mm -hmm. um that by then it was kind of nice to look back on where we'd been from when we first got yeah. put in lockdown. I think a lot of people have commented and come out about how much they actually enjoyed it because we were a bit worried. We were like, oh, people are going to be so sick of this. But actually, it was like reminding people before lockdown of some of the things that had happened and the journey that we'd been on because time did get quite distorted <laughs> for a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that has been that was like one of my main projects. And then the rest of the time, I've just sort of been um, working on scripted things. So doing like online courses I did like an online screenwriting course and then oh, wrote yeah, I did it well actually script. oh yeah where did you do it what what's it called oh ah oh, what's it? uh University of East Anglia 
Yeah, it was on like the BBC Writers Room Opportunities page. It was just like a sort of intro to screenwriting, sort of mm. like the basic fundamentals. Um, I'd done some of it before, but it was great. And it kind of helped me um, that and a talk by John Ridley, which was amazing about, mm. um, I think it was called Finished in Four. Right. Was what kind of motivated me to write two scripts during this time. So like two pilot scripts that I'm now like developing with um, production company. Yeah. And what is the what is finished in for? What does that relate to? So uh, it's on my Twitter page for anybody that wants to watch it. So Seed and Spark uh, did a live stream with him and he obviously wrote some amazing stuff and wrote 12 Years a Slave. Um, and he, he was kind of talking about how we could use this time to tell stories and to be creative. And the idea is that you would get a first draft of a script done in four weeks. Yeah, okay. and he talks you through that process of sort of like identifying what the idea is and like getting your big storyboard and saying what is the most important thing I want to say and it's it's kind of like the different stages to trying to just get get it done he, he's he's all about that of like just get the first draft done like throw it up yeah. and then you can from there work and rewrite so I found that really helpful during this time I'm in the middle of a first draft that is so bad, but it's so true. You just have to get it done. And only then can you go back and make it better and make it work. I think that's so right. But yeah, it's really cool you did that that course as well, because I think I'm, you know, technically I could call myself a professional writer, but I just felt really rusty and really like, wait, what? Oh, hang on, what? (laughs) So by doing some like really basic stuff actually really, really helped me, I think. So anyone... I think that's great that you're both... I mean, you are both working professionally writing for TV. You know, um, you're not going to big yourselves up. I, I will and say that, you know, the credit's between you. Very, very impressive. And Emma, you've just done um, La Princesa de Woking. Have I pronounced that correctly? Well, an Italian pronunciation, but that's still bloody good. Um, Please pronounce for us. So it's La, La Princesa de Woking. <laughs> I mean, Woking, you can pronounce okay. just Woking. But yeah, Princessa, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's been on YouTube. It's had some great reviews and feedback in The Guardian yeah. and, and beyond. So, But that's great that you're both working in the business. And I think that's inspiring to our listeners that you're still not complacent and you're going out there doing courses and just hoping to better yourself. I think that's amazing. Yeah, well, I think also a lot of those books are amazing, as in you don't need to look at all of, you know, you don't need to go through every chapter and follow them. But on my desk, I have, I think it's four of those screenwriting books. And I almost know them so well now that I go to specific chapters at specific moments when I'm stuck. So um, yeah, I think I think a back to basics approach basically whenever you want is is good, I think. Yeah, I don't know about you, Emma, but I find that like, I don't know, one of the things I've really liked about lockdown, if I'm honest, is that I'm normally doing 10 million jobs to support myself. Yeah. And then my creativity becomes second. And what I've liked about this sort of time is that it's the first time I've seen what my creative process looks like. Right. I've had all of the distractions removed. Yeah. I've seen that throw up like I'm almost sort of like I'm a depressed, disgusting hermit. I mean, I've been joking (laughs) about what I look like and not wanting to be on here. Because essentially I become a sort of like teenage incel. I'm like dirty, (laughs) haven't washed. I'm eating from a bag. Like all of my food comes from a bag and I'm just writing. I'm just trying to get things out of me. And then after that, I move into this more graceful process where I have my first shower and I, Mm. I start rewriting and I start communicating with the world again and becoming like a decent human being <laughs> but like, and yeah. I'm able to talk about the idea and so basically it goes through these different stages but for me every time I'm creating is like the beginning again so for me I, I have to keep learning all the time and also refreshing that learning and going back and saying oh yeah what was this like scaffolding point about how to tell a story or how to be funny or what is a joke again let's remember because every time you start something new it's it's the beginning this is what I love about comedy is I feel like it's um you know it's continually renewing you because every bit that you write or every new thing or new sketch is like it's a new idea it's a new thought so you get to start again which is quite exciting and um terrifying and maybe smelly if you're me (laughs) (laughs) I think what's great though about the writing process is when you're stuck in lockdown is a good example but when you're stuck on your own 
you're never lonely because you've got so many ideas in your head and actually you're 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 engaging with those and those characters kind of like if you had some mental illness I'm sure but I mean you're you're able to engage with them all and that keeps you entertained and as you say it's fresh every time um it's not like you're lacking in anything I think it must be really hard on the people that aren't particularly creative right now because they're sitting there thinking shit what do I do with my time so I think it's a it is a real gift to have that you're lucky that they do banana bread and yeah. Uh, yeah. their own bread for sourdough starter. Which, yeah. like, when I when I looked up how to do the sourdough starter starter and realized you had to feed it for five days until you can use it, I no, that's like <laughs> why I don't that. have a baby because I'm not here to feed <laughs> anyone, much less a sourdough starter. Yeah, <laughs> children do eat a lot. I can I can confirm that. I do think that it's a luxury. I wasn't just being mean to teenage incels when I said that. It's like I am like I operate like a single person and I don't have anyone to take care of. So it's easier for me to do that. Right. Like I um, have lived for a long time like a teenage boy. So like I don't have any responsibilities. I think uh, a lot of my friends in comedy and like other friends, like one of my friends had a baby during this time, like in lockdown. Wow. Like, like um. <sighs> So, yeah, I think that that must be harder. But like, I would hope I wanted to know, like, um, Alexis, like what, like how you find it as a as a mother, like creating. And does your child like ever like is, is part of that creative process? No, she's she's an anti-creative process, I'm afraid. She's she's completely just she just <laughs> destroys oh, it. Alexis. It, she's five. She's oh, nearly wow. six. It's very yeah, it's very hard because she needs a lot of attention. And I think yeah. because a lot of these a lot of kids have not been at school yeah. for the whole duration of this, they're basically you're basically um a one woman or one man um entertainment committee you know like the animation service when you go to a hotel in Spain and they're like the animation and I do this and I do that and I do all your food so she kind of expects even more of me than than usual and it is difficult and that's why I was saying you have the that luxury the, the space in your head um to be able to go there and sit for hours at a screen and maybe write a scene that afterwards you go that was shit and not feel bad about wasting that or indulging yourself and the words luxury and indulgence come up a lot I think um as you say like for people who are parents or you know um have had to do other jobs um we spoke with Lauren Patterson last week and she's taken a job um for a supermarket yeah I read her article in the Guardian I thought that was awesome yeah and it's just like you know we all have other shit to do but just because you've got a lot of time on your hands the you know the the other the other side of the coin is that it doesn't necessarily mean that that's easy as well because then you put so much pressure on yourself like I should be writing my one woman sitcom or I should be you know doing so much so I think it's it's difficult for everyone um definitely yeah but it's also it's it's age group as well I mean you know I've I've had the years of being able to do what I wanted so it's kind of like (laughs) this is my punishment (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I used to have like I said before like I was very lucky in lockdown that I had just like lost well I say lucky I'd lost a job I was on universal credit anyway that it was like my rent and bills were being covered by benefits I was in this position and then I could really focus on writing and start to you know earn some money from my writing but like prior to that I was working so much that like my creativity was always like second fiddle to other jobs I did years and years of that before like taking the leap a lot of the time has involved like huge huge risk and like you say you think it's going to be fun you'll be like oh yeah I'll just do my passion and then you're like alone with yourself and you're like oh my god doing my passion just my passion's really hard (laughs) um so yeah I think you're right it is a huge risk yeah well Emma have you felt that it's risky yeah for me I just feel so how long have I've I'm kind of in a place now where I have just been uh, just about being able to survive with this career, you know, during this time. But particularly in my early 20s, you know, the only way I could do it was by temping. And I was temping Mm. as well as substitute uh, primary school teaching all the time and always balancing that alongside, um, you know, comedy and trying to get make stuff happen, whatever. And I just realized today I was like, oh, my God temps like that is a career that surely at the moment that just doesn't exist because all the offers so they don't need any receptionists and I was just thinking like 
what as in you know I think what Lauren has done is so so brilliant and then on top of that you have all the other people who might be needing to get some extra jobs at the moment and because of unemployment and because of all these industries that have just shut down like what Mm. the fuck do you do so I don't know I I feel um I just feel insane gratitude that I'm just about past that you know that temp lifestyle that was so beneficial to me and so so helpful and a job I actually did really enjoy even though it was a lot of um getting coffees for horrible men but you know whatever (laughs) I was able to write at the same time but just just feeling for like you know people starting in this business I you know that I don't really know what to do about that and it is um it's just crap basically and I just hope anyone going through that still um you know pursues their comedic ambitions basically I really hope this time doesn't derail things too massively for people um so what would you do if in an alternative universe, comedy yeah. didn't exist. What would your job be? What do you think you would have gone into were you not doing this? My answer is so boring. I studied languages at uni, so I would just be a languages teacher. It's <sighs> <laughs> okay. The world needs language, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know now with the cool. place. I know. But yeah, so. So what would be your alternative career then, Charlie? Um, I've got two alternative careers because I'm taught like they're 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 a tie and I can't decide between them. So number one is like I'd like to work in a factory, pairing odd socks, um, <laughs> just because I think it would be really satisfying. Um, and then sure. number two, uh, a drummer in a metal band where I would uh, get to do the kick pedal. Yeah, I'd love that. Yes, that's a great job. Can you play the drums? I can play the drums. Uh, again, I would say it's probably similar to my dancing skills, but I can <laughs> play the drums. Do the job before um, you can do I it. I think a lot of stand-up comedians want to be rock stars. Yeah, I think yes, that's, that's true. very true. For sure. And Mariana, alternative career for you? So I guess, I guess I do have like alternative careers as we speak because I am a social media manager, uh, which is the only job I manage to keep because every other job I have is related to live comedy so I also tech and I also do photography and I've lost all of that but I also have a master's in biochemistry but I think that it's been so long since I've done research that I don't think I could go back to the lab but yeah is it not like riding a bike Mariana would you be not be able to pick up the old bio skills you know Uh, if needed the skills may be there but my curriculum of not doing any science for the past six years or seven years might Mm. not make me a very desirable uh person got it yeah i wouldn't (laughs) want you to be on the vaccine team after a really long break (laughs) it's like oh yeah science it's just like riding a bike you just make it up don't you (laughs) no oh thank you yeah Oh, well, that's great to know that we have options, though, in an alternate universe. I, I don't know what mine would be. I mean, I've been cutting a lot of hair for people. I've now done my mum's, mine and my daughter's. And um, that's a definitely an alternative career. Not I that I could. Fine. How did you find doing yours? Did you do the ponytail Not... trick? I did the yeah, ponytail yeah, with the band. Yeah, it's actually amazing. Yeah. It's quite good. But then you get a bit cocky. And I was a bit like, mm, this is easy. These yeah. hairdressers are really but no, it looks fucking horrible afterwards. <laughs> my color, um, that's why I'm wearing a headband. Um, and I did my colour and that was, oh God, that was an absolute nightmare. Oh, so you, wow, you well two, done. you don't need to worry about greys yet. You wait, oh, you wait. No, I tell you what, I have gone grey in lockdown. <gasps> in a no. way that it's really like, I mean, it was coming anyway. It's just, it's mainly just one side of my head. But it is really like, oh, wow. So was this always going to happen now? Or is lockdown and a global pandemic just so stressful? Yeah. I it could be because I found three new, like, strands of white hair on this side of my head. And I also don't know if it's if they were just coming in or if I'm mm. just stressed. Three, I don't think it's too bad, though. I think three, you know, that's just a, like a little treat. Mine, <laughs> you can pull them out as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mine passed the pulling out stage, which is, <laughs> um, but oh well, it's just good to be alive. So that mine's just getting like long and insanely like I'm just pissing off my housemates because I'm just molting everywhere because I haven't had a haircut. Like, 
in oh, so sink, long. Is your sink like really clogged right now? I feel like yeah, I'm quite relatively good at pulling it out, but I now think that there's a hair monster down there that's just breeding. It's just living. It's, it's horrible. Sorry. <laughs> You completely you, you you cut out then, but um, I think we got the gist of it that it's quite disgusting. <laughs> I think we're having we're having a few techie issues today, and I do apologise for that. I'm not quite sure what that is. Don't worry, um, that's okay. So um, we're coming to the end of our chat, and I feel sad about that because it's been quite a lovely experience. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to know if anyone has any like good survival tips because obviously this is the funny women's survival guide we never actually ask anyone because I've forgotten over the last few weeks but (laughs) do you have any good survival tips (laughs) to share as in survival in could be in any way or in lockdown lockdown life is there anything you've ever come across life hacks even something you've Mm. discovered that you've gone wow that's blown my mind hmm let me think for a second have a ponder yeah. I'm gonna have a ponder. I wish I had some hold music. That would be good. <laughs> um oh, well yeah, having hold music handy is a good one. Um I think not like I every time I've tried to relax in lockdown, it's been really bad. So I my my number one tip would be do not do not relax. Just don't try it. It's horrible. <laughs> don't ever try and do it. Like, I nearly burnt the house down trying to meditate with candles. Like don't just don't relax. Just if you're stressed, you're stressed. Like maybe just like go lean into what you are actually feeling is my advice rather than like try and change it straight away. That's probably a nicer way of putting it. It's like I do this thing where I'm like, I really shouldn't be feeling stressed. So therefore I'm going to try and do the opposite. But what happens is then the stress like locks in. <laughs> yeah, it's like so, acknowledge yeah. your emotion, acknowledge, acknowledge, that's interesting. <laughs> acknowledge how you're feeling, accept it and stay feeling that way. <laughs> yeah I love it (laughs) this is great mental health advice isn't it no but I I think you're right because actually I've got so pissed off with all these bloody apps I keep everything obviously the internet's listening and keeps popping up with stuff on my phone about calm apps and da 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 and I like you Charlie I've tried and it just gets me more and more irate like what's wrong with me that I can't switch off so I think that is the best advice yeah definitely I feel like my advice, I have two things of advice. Um, Go off Twitter for a bit. Now, that could be an hour, that could be a day, it could be a week, um, it could be forever. But try it and it will be electric. You will love it. You have to get off it a little bit. I think I'm – because I went off it for months a few months ago – and then because it was actually about the election because I re- I was so sure that Labour was going to win. Um, and to the extent that when they didn't win, I, I the whole echo chamber thing, I actually just felt stressed about it. It just, the world felt too fake and I felt too absorbed in something that wasn't, uh, oh, yeah, I just got creeped out by it. Um, as well as I feel like it's a very scare, not scary, like there's so many brilliant things happening on Twitter and there's so many wonderful things being talked about, mainly politically, as well as it just seeps into your brain and heart rate in a way that you deserve to be able to get off it for a bit. So that would be one of my tips. So at the moment, I, I'm every time I go off Twitter, I actually fully log out. So then when I go back onto it again, I have to do the password. Like I have to be very sure mm. that I want to go on it right now. So that's helpful. And then the second thing is I would say if you're missing bars or restaurants, just watch Real Housewives, ideally of Beverly Hills. <laughs> and like you just with get on that. to be in a bar with your girlfriends and have a little gossip and order a martini like stuff oh my fucking god I just love it so yeah mm. that would be my tip <laughs> that's nice I like my that. um my daughter calls that show ladies arguing yeah um, that's, <laughs> and she <good>. mummy <laughs> mummy you watching ladies arguing again <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's funny I love that that's right. brilliant and Mariana any any survival tips for our listeners this week I don't know if they're survival tips, but they're like two things I've learned in my life. <clears throat> uh, one of them is like 
don't ever be afraid to like start over, which I think it's maybe a good one for a lockdown. If you Definitely. like want to start over afterwards, mm. do start over. It's fine. Uh, and I have done it and I feel like, yeah, it's not easy, but it's fine. Um, and the other one is like, ask people for stuff. The worst thing that can happen is that they will tell you no. So just ask. I'm a yeah, big right. fan of that. Have you found I've that? One other one. My two oh, please. Yeah, share, share. Sorry, um, just uh, if you if you are with Virgin Media, change change your broadband <laughs> oh, supplier. Sorry. Just change it now. Um, all of your online gigs will be terrible. Uh, you shouldn't support anything to do with Richard Branson because he cares about planes more than humanity. Um, yeah, I'm with Virgin Broadband. We need to change. <laughs> As am I. They it really really sucks, and this period has brought that to light fully. Maybe we can share some tariff uh, details yeah. with our listeners somehow. <laughs> well, thank you so much, ladies. It's been really lovely to chat to you. Thanks for giving us your time in lockdown, which is endless time, right? You know, this week it's 100 days of lockdown. I feel On it, Wednesday. I feel it. Wow. How are you going to celebrate? Just quickly before we end the chat, just how are you going to celebrate the 100 days? Um, plunge my face in a bucket of ice, something like that. Just okay. Rock it. out to Bon Jovi around my bedroom. Oh my God, I'm loving Bon Jovi in lockdown. <laughs> That's what I wash my hands to. Um, Sunday I'll be Saturday <laughs> night. Brilliant. Yeah, the whole it's chorus Sunday I'll be Saturday night is so motivating as well as <laughs> is at least 30 seconds. Like I'm all into the lockdown rave. Like for me, it's the best experience of raving ever. So I went to a garage rave the other night that they were doing to save a venue that was going to get shut down in South London. And it was so good because I could, it, all the fun of a rave, but with none of the grossness of like being in a club <laughs> yeah, with people. Yeah, your own toilet. <laughs> Just brilliant. Like when I wanted to go to the loo, I could. When I wanted to drink, I could. No one was grinding up against me. It was brilliant. <laughs> amazing uh, perhaps you can share some details of the online raves i've not heard of that that's amazing thank you well thanks so much ladies we will be updating the world with your progress as and when it occurs but do share with us make sure you share all the stuff that you're doing thank you so much you've been listening to the funny women's survival guide and i've been your host alexis strum Thank you so much to Emma C.D. and Charlie George for joining me in the studio. And of course, thanks also to Mariana from Funny Women for her survival guide podcast debut. Emma can be found on Twitter at capital E, small M, capital S, ID1. That's MCID1. And um, Charlie can be found on Twitter at capital C, capital G, lowercase does comedy. So at CG does comedy. And finally, let's get to some recommendations. I've been really enjoying Bill Al Safar and Terry Minert's content on Twitch. Don't know if you're all checking out Twitch. You should. It's the future. And also the fab Phoebe Walsh's comedy Behind the Filter comes to BBC Three this week. In terms of Funny Women events, 24th of September, put it in your diary. That's the date of the Funny Women Awards final. And you can find out more on the Funny Women website, funnywomen.com. And finally, if you want to find out more about me, go to thetimeialmost.com and check out my little sketch called Covirginity with former Funny Women Survival Guide guest, Jason Mumford. Please subscribe, download, rate, review and share this podcast. Your ongoing support means so much to us. Stay funny and stay safe.